How to describe the perfect day in Colombia? Well, it was perfect. <laughs> We're on a mission from God. Oh my God! Okay, it's happening! All right, Buster, what do you do? I've been here in Medellin for about a week, more than a week now. I am officially waiting papers for my motorcycle because the customs officials in the port town that I originally arrived in, Cartagena, messed up my papers and therefore technically I think my bike is illegal right now or it is illegal until I have the physical original papers in my hand. And given the way things work down here, sometimes things delayed, things were not done when they were supposed to be, things were done erroneously. So I'm still here waiting for my papers, hoping that they come, which actually I need to go check the tracking number and see if they're on their way. But Having been here for quite a long time, about a week now, and having had a normal track record of being no more than a day or two in different towns along the way, I was getting itchy feet. And no, not for a lack of hygiene or changing my socks, because actually this week has been incredibly restorative in my eating, sleeping, and hygiene habits. So one night, I put myself in my bed on Google Maps, zoomed out, and checked around my surroundings of Medellin to see what there was. Now, I already know I'm headed south. I'm going to head towards the coffee triangle. That's my next step in my trip once I get the papers, once I leave Medellin. So I didn't really want to go south to repeat something that I eventually will do in a week or two or maybe half a week whenever the papers come. So I looked north, I looked west because I came from the east. So I came from the east, I'm going to go south. So I looked north and I looked west. And as it turns out, to the west, there is a mountain town called Stop it, get some help. It's U-R-R-A-O, Orao. I believe that's how you say it. After many attempts of saying it, that's the best I can do. Orao is uh, off of main roads, way up in the mountains, and it's a perfect loop. You can spend about five hours heading there through a northern route and five hours returning to Medellin through a southern route. So I packed my bags, say goodbye to my lovely little apartment that I've been in, called a hotel in the small town to make sure that they had rooms. I was the only person staying there and headed out into the jungle. Now, Medellin is sitting in and among and on top of mountains. So when you are coming from the north and from the east, like I was, it's hot and it's beautiful, but it's very much country, open plains and just so hot, so hot. Then you get to Guatapé and now you have gone through some mountains. Then you get to Medellin and now you're sitting in a bowl of mountains. You're much higher up. It's much more cloudy, prone to spurts of rain, hot periods, cold periods. It just, it's a wonderful different place as compared to the monotonously hot, oppressively hot weather of most of the other parts of Colombia I've been in. So as I started my drive, it was a typical hot, beautiful day in Medellin. But by the time I reached about 40 minutes through the city, reaching the upper end of one of the mountains where you can leave, going through a tunnel, it started to rain. And you know that you're in trouble when the locals, when the people actually from Medellin, Colombia, wherever you are, stop and put on their frog togs, their tarps, their plastic bags, their rain gear. If they just keep riding, then they have some innate sense that this is only going to be a quick spurt and they'll make it through. But when they stop and when they put on all their gear, you know you're in it for the long haul. Now, I almost turned around right then and there just because I was in high spirits. And to begin this trip, this five-hour trip through mountain roads and, and places that scare me, given my my spill in the mountains near Guatapé, I was about to turn around. I did not want to deal with rain. I did not want to deal with long rain, long periods of rain. I did not want to be completely soaked. I did not want to ride for five hours wet. 
But thank goodness I did not turn around. In fact, I just kept riding. Sure, I pulled over real quick to switch my phone and my cash into the waterproof pockets on my jacket, but I sucked it up. I shivered a little bit and I kept riding. And as it turns out, after about 15 minutes of pretty heavy rain, the sun came out again. And at the same moment that the sun came out, I burst out of the mountains surrounding Colombia into the outer valleys and mountains surrounding Medellin, which are absolutely stunning. Think California coast level steep cliffs with roads riding the sides of those cliffs, but at the bottom of the valley is often a river or small villages, and then the mountain rises back on the other side with a road that you'll eventually reach. Think every shade of green you've ever seen with the most beautiful shade of blue in the sky and giant ominous clouds, but still beautiful clouds, forming the next rainstorm that you're probably going to ride through in about an hour. This is the surrounding mountains of Medellin. I ride on well-paved roads for about an hour, enjoying the long, curving, mountainous roads surrounding Medellin. Well-paved, well-maintained, not very many people out, just a beautiful day. Eventually, I enter a small town, nearly get hit by a tow truck who thinks that they can pass me on my motorcycle, and then there's another tow truck coming the other way, and so they have to veer back into my lane, even though none of us are really moving. He didn't want to make eye contact because that was just a stupid mistake. But after surviving that near-death encounter with a tow truck, my GPS told me to turn left. I turned left onto an unpaved road and began another ascent into another set of mountains, but this time all dirt road, all gravel, all washboard, all beautiful, dangerous, scary, Guatape, fear-inducing road. I'm not going to lie, I kept it in first and second gear, mostly first, actually, for a lot of it, just thinking I would rather slow down, I would rather take a long time to arrive than crash again and hurt my ankle or my thighs or my pride again. I am suffering a little bit from a sense of PTSD, a little sense of trauma from my last motorcycle accident, my last motor spill, motorcycle spill in the mountains, and therefore it was really hard. It was really hard to get back on the dirt road where spouts of puddles and mud and rain are around any single corner, and therefore your traction is always changing. You have to be totally on point, and you have to decide how fast you're going, meaning Sure, you can go as slow as you possibly can, but then your GPS triples in arrival time and now you're traveling at 3 a.m. in the morning. Or you can go fast and enjoy it and have fun, but the entire time you know that it only takes one tiny little moment for you to take a nasty spill and perhaps actually break something this time. So I tried to find a happy medium, tried to tell myself that I'm afraid of doing this and therefore I must do this, which is one of the things that's pretty common for me in when I have an accident, when I have a bad experience, when I get back on the horse, when I get back to that thing, I have to overcome this wall of dread and this, this voice inside me that's saying, you don't really need to do this. Nobody would know if you just went back to Medellin and just acted like you never planned this whole trip in the first place. You really could just turn around right now. You're only about two and a half hours out from home. Go home, ask if they can have the apartment back that night, watch a movie, eat some popcorn, have a bottle of wine to forget your misery, whatever it takes. Nobody will know. Only you. But as it turns out, you have to live with you, and therefore maybe it's a bad idea to take the answer that says only you will know. Because as it turns out, you can be pretty important. So you, meaning me, kept going. Now, this is where I can talk about one of my favorite parts about Colombia, and that is the fact that you can be 20 kilometers deep into an awful road that barely exists, and then suddenly it turns into a double-wide, paved, beautiful road out of nowhere. But that only lasts 100 yards, and then it goes back to washed out, muddy, completely rocky, and nearly gone, and washboarded road. 
non-existent. And then a hundred yards later, another perfect stretch of road. Now, I'm not really sure the logic of this. At first I thought it was curves. Then I thought it was maybe where mudslides had happened. I can't find a rhyme or reason. All I know is you can be a hundred kilometers deep into some jungle region of Colombia and then suddenly encounter a beautifully double wide paved road. But don't expect that to last too long because after a few wonderful curves where you can bring it up to third or fourth gear, you're going to have to pop it down the second again when the washed out hole in the road appears and you have to swerve precariously around it and hope that the traction in the muddy water remains underneath your tires. So as the road alternated between awful Guatepe accident-inducing, memory-inducing, fear-inducing memory experience, I'm not sure if that made sense, but I'm going to just keep going and beautiful double-wide paved road, eventually I reached a higher point in the mountains where instead of climbing, I started leveling out. I went through a few villages, I went through a few towns, I went through an actual city-like thing in the middle of the mountains where everyone looked at me like I was the escaped animal from the zoo, because I imagine not very many gringos on their motorcycle ride through, especially not on a Friday afternoon, and eventually started climbing again. And this is where my second favorite part about Colombia comes up, which is the road really started to not really exist. And I'm talking you're riding through a town with hedges on both sides of the road. And the road is really barely even wide enough for a car. Meaning me on my motorcycle, it feels like a road just for a motorcycle. When a car comes, I have to like find a ditch that doesn't have too much water in it in order to be able to ride in the ditch briefly while the car passes. So every once in a while a car comes, they're not going too fast. I can get out of the way. I can just roll through the mud and then try to climb back up on the road when they pass. Not that big of a deal. Sure, there's water in the road. It's basically a river slash town center walkway slash road. And then comes careening around a corner a full-sized public bus. I'm talking like trailer, RV trailer size, like, you know, like the movie RV. Huge, like 40-foot long, giant, two-story tall bus comes careening around the corner going faster than I ever could hope to go on these roads, acting as if it were a regular highway. This is hilariously awfully terribly brutally dangerous and awful in my mind but hilarious above all because i'm on these roads thinking wow this sure is fun having to figure out all these technical movements on the motorcycle and not lose traction and choose where to put my tire and how to climb this hill and then here comes a bus as if i'm not in the middle of the forest trying to figure out how to navigate these terrible rivers slash roads slash public walkways of towns it's a sobering moment when the bus comes careening around the corner and you realize Life goes on even if the road does not exist. So I kept climbing and climbing and climbing the country, the towns, the buses, the dirt roads disappearing behind me as I climbed higher and higher and higher until I reached the clouds. With the clouds, with the arrival of the clouds, came an intense and bitter cold. I'm talking shiver, hunch over closer to your engine to feel the little bit of warmth coming off of it cold. And that's when the road emptied out, no more buses, barely any motorcycles, not any cars, beautiful rivers flowing through the valleys. Those typical Colombian trees that look from a distance like flowered white trees, but when you get closer, you realize they're just upturned leaves, which have a very bleached look to them. So they look like white flowers from a distance, but then just dirty leaves at close up. Not sure what they are or why they are that way, but very beautiful from a distance and very intriguing from close up. The clouds drifting in and out, the road being not too bad because the rain hadn't come this high, and the mountains began breaking away into countryside, into mountain farms. Just as I was entering the surrounding areas of Orao, the clouds began to thin a little, the evening light started breaking through, the mist was still floating over some mountains, and vast 
massive stretches of farmland, developed farmland, appeared. And as it was the end of the day, as it was about 5 or so p.m., I was on this one very, very, very bumpy road, very dusty road into Orao with every single truck full of farmhands that were finishing their day of work and heading into town. And so I found myself behind truckloads of 40 odd dudes, all waving and pointing and laughing and snickering and talking to one another about the dude behind them on the motorcycle. And this is when the third thing that I love in Colombia comes up, which is a lot of times I find myself feeling awkward or strange or scrutinized by the gazes and the the, the watching looks and the curious looks and the, and the analytical looks of the people around me. But in that moment, I have to make a choice. I can either continue to be the mysterious person who doesn't talk, doesn't speak, doesn't smile, just continues with their life, rides by, passes, continues to read his book, whatever the thing might be, or I can smile, or I can give a thumbs up, or I can honk my horn. And more often than not, the moment that I smile, put a thumbs up, or honk my horn, the facial expressions change completely of the men or women who are watching, pointing, gawking, and they return the gesture in kind, honking, smiling, thumbs upping, whatever it might be. I don't know how many times I've repeated this, but it's got to be in the hundreds. And really, it's something I need to learn to do more of, because oftentimes I find myself thinking that the worst is taking place, meaning they're judging me, they're, they're going to rob me, they're whatever it might be, some weird fantasy that I'm making up about the two dudes sitting on the back of the truck watching me ride behind them waiting to pass. Then I smile, then I thumbs up, then I honk, whatever it might be, and suddenly the two mysterious dudes become just two curious dudes who think it's funny and who like the fact that there's a random gringo behind them on a motorcycle. And so it is I find myself, the random gringo, riding directly into the center of Orao because my Google Maps is bringing me to my hotel and, as it always does, brings me down a wrong street that does not allow any motorcycles or cars. The people are all laughing at me and pointing. I stop and ask for directions and somebody tells me to get out of that place as soon as possible because if the police come, they will get me. So I careen around the curb, head around the plaza until I find what they described as the most colorful building on the plaza. That's your hotel. So I keep going around the plaza, around and around until I find the quote unquote most colorful building on the plaza, which is in fact my hotel. I check in, I put all my stuff away. I pack up my book and my notebook after taking a nice long warm shower, surprisingly warm. And I head to a small cafe on the edge of the square where I spend about an hour and a half drinking a little bit of espresso, a little bit of beer, a couple of croissants, writing in my notebook and reading, and most of all, people watching. I slept one of the best nights of sleep that I have slept in a long time in that tiny little hotel on top of a mountain in Orao. I think perhaps it was because right before going to sleep, I decided it might be wise to put on some rain noise sounds on the bed next to me, and because there was absolutely no one else in the hotel, and therefore there were no noisy tenants coming in and out of their rooms, there were no people having sex in the room next to me, and the dogs barking in the village through the night that I could hear through the window were melted down into the sound of the 10 hours of rain sounds, of rainforest sounds that I had put on my laptop. And so I found myself waking up around nine, so well rested, feeling amazing, ready to get started with the day. I eventually wandered back to the same cafe with the same notebook, ordered the same espresso, and sat watching the same people around the plaza. The mix of cowboys and women who looked like I almost could be from Medellin, even though we're in the middle of nowhere in the mountains. The mix of old men who look like they've spent more time under the sun than you can possibly imagine, working with their hands, and their daughters or wives or nieces or whoever they are, looking like they just came from the club in Medellin. 
I watched the people laugh. I watched the men sit around their tables, talking about nothing and everything, listening very intently when anyone might talk, drinking their espresso, making it last for hours, greeting every single friend who might come by, laughing and enjoying life. Eventually, I got my motorcycle out of the parking structure across the plaza, pulled it up in front of the hotel, dealt with the police telling me I couldn't park there. I had to move two feet to my left. And no, I had to wear my helmet to move the bike two feet to the left. So I put my helmet back on, moved the bike two feet to the left to placate the police officer who was very official with his whistle, which he kept blowing at me, and started loading the bike, which is a process because I have the cargo net, I have my duffel bag, I have the tank bag, I have my helmet, and I have my water bottles, which will go in the cargo net. All in all, it's quite a process. It takes more than one trip, often two or even three trips to clear the room, check out of the hotel, and get started on the motorcycle. And... As is typical, as I'm doing this process, all of the people sitting at the cafes around me are just watching the process because I'm walking back and forth between them, dragging things to my motorcycle, loading it up, having arguments with the police, getting whistles blown at me. It turns out one of the couples watching was taking a special interest. So as I took my final trip to the bike, as I was ready, already mentally gone from the town, as I was ready to go, I heard, Chico! And off to my left, a woman was flagging me down. I approached their table wondering what the hell was wrong and what I had done now. And maybe they were in league with the police and I was going to get even more trouble. But as it turned out, two hours later, they were just very kind, very curious. People from Medellin who were there on vacation and were very curious to know where I was going, what I was knowing and what I had not yet known. And so I passed two very lovely hours getting to know these two people from Medellin, sharing a coffee, sharing a traditional country farm hand mountain worker lunch, which I believe was called finambre, finambre, afuerambre, afina ambre, something, something to do with ambre and afina or something like that, which is a bunch of meat, rice, beans, a little bit of bread made out of corn, and one hard-boiled egg all wrapped up in leaves and then wrapped up in twine and then wrapped up in plastic, which the country hands, the farm workers, will carry with themselves all day and eventually eat on some mountain road somewhere on their way to home, their next job, whatever it might be, the next farm, wherever it might be. So having been well fed, had a wonderful, delicious Colombian coffee and made two new friends, I finally got back on my bike and started the long ride back to Medellin through the southern route. Now this trip has already been challenging, wonderful, beautiful, hard, restful, and now it's going to turn into the perfect day in Colombia. Because as I rode out of that town, smiling, in a great mood, having made new friends, having drank an amazing coffee, having eaten a delicious, simple, and culturally rich meal, the sky broke away, the clouds separated, and the most beautiful weather appeared. Sure, a little spurts of rain here and there, but if it weren't rain here and there, you aren't in Colombia. But most of the time, the clouds broke away, the road was clean and paved and wide, and it was just me. For the next three hours, I focused on nothing more than making beautiful, winding turns on these curvy mountain roads, dodging the potholes, dodging the massive landslides that make giant potholes in the road that literally lead to the chasm below that you have no warning of other than perhaps a trail of dirt that oftentimes is telltale of something coming around the next corner. If the road is clean and then all of a sudden on the left side of the road, the opposite side, the, the side that's coming towards you, there are car tires in leaving tracks of dirt. This tells you that probably there's either a river crossing, there's either a mudslide, or there's a giant hole in the road and people are having to avoid it. So always downshift, always slow down when you start seeing 
debris on the road that wasn't there before because as it turns out when you make make the next turn the next round around a bend a blind turn whatever it might be most likely you're going to encounter something strange like a giant pile of dirt covering half the road or a giant hole where the road used to be other than those small things the mountains kept rising and rising as i went up and down and all around waterfalls appeared small villages passed smiling people on their motorcycles passed as well and the day became more and more and more idyllic. Eventually, when I thought I could not be more full of joy and pleasure from the absolute beautiful nature of the incredible countryside that is just to the west of Medellin, I passed this tiny little cafe in the middle of nowhere that looked absolutely beautiful, so well taken care of, and exactly the type of thing that I love, which is a small cafe with cute little chairs, nice little tables, and a vista. So I did a Yui, turned around, parked, not in the motorcycle parking lot because I didn't see it until I was already parked, and because I'm still way too used to America where there isn't really a motorcycle parking lot in every single place. Oftentimes you just park either wherever you can or in a car parking spot, but here in Colombia, more often than not, there are specific parking lots just for motorcycles. And if you don't park in them, it's kind of considered offensive and it's illegal. So I hopped off my bike, had an amazing coffee. Can you tell I like the coffee here? Enjoyed a beautiful, quiet vista for 15 or 20 minutes, hopped back on my bike, finished the most beautiful mountain riding of my life and made it back to Medellin with a smile on my face full heart and the bike still in one piece although with the characteristic dirt and mud splashes which i'm very proud of that represents someone who takes their bike to beautiful places nice i saved a life my own my hero i really can't say but yes